So, John, what's the most valuable thing you've ever pulled out of a man's ass? Well, coincidentally, it was also a map to untold treasures. That treasure Dare was I my, ask? That treasure was my dignity. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know my mum listens to this sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Some films are fine, just the way they are. Other films sometimes take it way too far. Welcome everybody to Beyond the Box Set, the podcast where we pitch prequels, sequels and spin-offs to films that don't have any. I'm Harry, joining me as always is John. Hello. And John, we've got some guests this week. We do. Yeah, we have Flixwatcher Podcast. Hi. Hello. So this is Kobe and Helen. Hi, Hello. I'm the Kobe one. I'm Helen. <laughs> <laughs> and do you want to start by telling us a little bit about your podcast, Flixwatcher? So Flixwatcher is uh, your number one go-to for Netflix recommendations. Yeah, absolutely. If you're in... The UK specifically, um, but Netflix generally, we get podcasters on, um, such as you guys, um, who pick the films and we chat about them and rate them using our patent pending, that's not patent pending, rating system. <laughs> the unique scoring system. The unique scoring system, that's the, that's the best term, isn't it? The spreadsheet of dreams, yeah. I refer to it as. Yeah, you guys haven't seen the spreadsheet yet, have you? Spreadsheet not yet, now I'm excited. Yeah. yeah, love a good spreadsheet. Can, can I have a copy? You, you can do, but you can't. You won't be able to edit it. Oh, <laughs> so excited by spreadsheets! <laughs> uh, yeah. So if we sound a little bit different this week, that's because we are actually in London in an actual professional studio. You guys have kindly agreed to come onto our show for this episode, and then we are going to subsequently record a couple of episodes of your show. It's very nice you call this a professional studio. Yes, yeah. it's about the only thing professional about. <laughs> well, I mean, we record ours in my kitchen, so yeah. It's yeah. good access to snacks and. Tea. Yeah, very much so. By the way, so the jelly babies you have in front of you, the pretzels are all are all fair game. Um, Fantastic. Good. Maybe they've, more jelly babies. They've, they've, they've been staring at me, and weirdly, somebody has put them right in front of me as well. So yeah. that's a bit of a problem. <laughs> <laughs> as always, we ask our guests to choose the film, and because we're currently doing a little mini season on musicians turned actors, we asked you to choose a film featuring at least one actor who was also known as musician. Mm. And so you actually chose one with two. So what film have you chosen for us this week? Three Kings. Three Kings. Yeah. I, think it's, I think it was your choice, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It was like you said Marky Mark is in Three Kings and then there was like a beat later, maybe half an hour later, like, yeah, and Ice Cube as well. So that's two for one. Yeah. And of course, George Clooney has sang on uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? He has. Or was it, was it actually him as, as the Saggy Bottom Boys um, vocalist mm. or was that a different voice? I don't think it's his voice. It's not his voice. Okay. Uh, but yeah, two musicians for one in yeah. one film. I didn't realise that Mark Wahlberg did music at some point in his career. What did he, what did he do? Well, he was called Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Was it good? He, he was in New Kids on the Block. No, his brother, Donnie Wahlberg. Oh, no, he was in it as well. No, no. Was he not? So his brother Donnie was in New Kids on the Block, um, mm-hmm. and they were huge at the time, and Marky Mark was a separate thing and no everyone expected kind of Donnie to be the bigger act coming out of it in the way that everyone expected mm-hmm. not much of Robbie Williams to come out and take that but then he kind of stormed it yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what Donnie's up to at the moment he was in The Sixth Sense that's the only thing I've seen him in as an actor oh really what was he doing he is has a very small role early on he's the guy who spoiler alert kills Bruce Willis at the beginning you know uh, the, the disturbed okay. guy yeah yeah that's Donnie Wahlberg okay. looking like shit <laughs> <laughs> I mean that was the part yeah the, the, exactly he really went method for that I'm yeah. sure but yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, Marky Mark's music, it was of its time, I'd say. It was mm. kind of like early 90s dance, hip- good vibrations. That was the famous one, wasn't it? I, honestly, I, when you say that, I can't remember. I, was, I knew New Kids on the Block quite well, but 
Mark him up for fucking He released an album called Music for the People and You Gotta Believe. Mm. None of those are on my Spotify playlist. Yeah. So I can't, I'm not very familiar with that. I think I kind of had written him off as an actor beforehand because I just thought, mm. you know, he's a crappy pop artist turned actor, so I didn't expect much of him at all. But you're quite a big fan, aren't you? Well, his his early performances, I mean, Boogie Nights and um, Three Kings are, are quite brilliant, but he, he has had some terrible periods. Like 2008 was a particularly bad period for him. What's, he, what, what's 2008? Oh, the Happening... Oh yeah, and shooter, I think as well. And he's just every now and again he makes some terrible, terrible, terrible choices. Well, now he's in the Transformers, in in the Fighter as well. So he's been in that. He was in the Departed, Departed, um, remake of the Italian Job. So it's kind of like great, not so great, really bad. Well, he was in um, Basketball Diaries with Leonardo DiCaprio, wasn't he? I think yeah, yeah, that was one of his early yeah, film roles. Well, early for both of them, but yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I think at the time, all the girls at school fancied Leo. And again, so, so for me, he was one of those people I just wasn't that interested in. Um, but seeing it recent, well, seeing it a few years after leaving school, I thought it was actually a decent film. Mm. Quite dark. So, aside from your abiding love of um, all things Mark Wahlberg, <laughs> is there any particular reason you chose this film? Because it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. I just love it. Fun fact for you: uh, it was the first DVD I ever bought. So oh wow! Oh, okay. What made you buy it? Because I'd seen it. I think I must have seen it and thought this film's brilliant. I would like to keep it and. Uh, I've just brought a new DVD player. What better to uh, watch it in? And I love everything about it. I think it's funny. I think it's really well acted. I, I love the the colour, the way that it's filmed as well. Mm. The CGI shots in it still look amazing. I mean, the breakdown of the gunshot where the bullet enters the body, things like that were just happening in cinema at the time. And I remember watching it going, oh, that's really clever. And gross. I, and gross, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of really gross bits in it. I like the kind of... They explode a cow. It's got a great exploding helicopter in it. Spike Jones is really funny and bizarre in it. It's got a great soundtrack. George Clooney was just kind of making it, you know, as a serious actor. And David O. Russell was just sort of breaking into Hollywood. And this is kind of a really big film for him. And sort of the mythology around it, his relationship with George Clooney and the whole story on set is one of those kind of like big, Hollywood stories of like mm, what happened what were, they, really were happened. they not fans of each other no there was loads of fights okay. um, people didn't have confidence in O. Russell he never wanted George Clooney for the part originally and they just kind of fought and apparently O. Russell hit an extra or all these kinds of stories oh, we're really? talking about yeah. it and just the studio weren't particularly happy no one was really happy on set so the fact that it's it came out and was this brilliant is quite a surprise really because it could have been really terrible and of course they've got Ice Cube Mark Wahlberg who hadn't really done much acting either yeah Mark Wahlberg hadn't uh, but Ice Cube had done a fair bit he was in um, Boys in the Hood Boys in the Hood I'm not sure if he'd released and written Friday at that point I did look I believe he had so he'd just come off Boys in the Hood was early 90s and then Friday came out a couple of years before this so yeah. he, he was quite established at that point as kind of a a film star, so yeah. But they weren't. But I not think these a were all mainstream. But no, yeah, this yeah, this is definitely more of a mainstream film for yeah. him, definitely. So yeah. Um, and before this, David o. Russell had done I Heart Huckabee, so it seemed no, like that was after. after. Was that after yeah, this? So this yeah. was. Oh um, shit! Hold on, let me tell me. He'd only done. Was it the? I can't remember it's called now. the monkey. Yeah, the monkey one. <laughs> I think he'd done that and maybe another one, but this was his first big one. And I Heart Huckabees came after this. Yeah, mm. so that was uh, another collaboration with Mark Wahlberg. Another one in which he uh, had fractious relationships with some of his stars as well, because there's famous footage online of him having an upright screaming match with Lily Tomlin in that film. So 
clearly not a very easy guy to work with. Yeah, um, I kind of fell out. I've, I've not really rated any of his recent films, considering how much I like this. I think mm. he's just lost his kind of sense of humour a lot. He did uh, Silver Linings Playbook, right? He did, yeah, yeah which I, is terrible. I really didn't get that film. It was so it's awful. It, I thank hate you, that film so thank much. you so much. Yeah. Please, I can't talk about it. Its <laughs> film is dreadful. Yeah, I felt exactly the same way because it won Oscars. You know, Jennifer Lawrence got the Oscar for it. It was so highly regarded. And I was just like, did I see a different film? This is garbage. Right? It makes a complete mockery of mental health issues. Oh, he's running around in the bin bag. Oh, he's crazy. Oh, it's all okay in the end. It's yeah. just, it's terrible. I hate that film. I didn't mind it. I just, I was like yourself. Though, I didn't understand why it garnered all this attention. I thought it was mm-hmm. a fine film. Yeah. Um, I know people who have had mental or do suffer from mental health issues, and they're really related to some of the aspects they're going through, which is what gives me for them, gives it a bit more of a pass for me than other people because when sure. you get some insight from it. But again, I just didn't. I didn't get it. No. And you're not going to get every film that comes out, are you? No. I guess true, so. true. But and American Hustle was just all. Yeah, hair. I thought American <laughs> Hustle was. <laughs> I didn't get why that was. It's just Jennifer Lawrence and Bradley Cooper, and that's the that's the thing he has now. I'm not even bothered seeing Joy. Was that a David Russell film? Yeah, I just looked at that and went no. Yeah. Yeah, the thrilling origin story of a mop. It really, yeah. <laughs> it really sounds like a edgier seat kind of film. I've not seen it either. It may well be brilliant, but uh, yeah, I'm the same. I don't really get on with David Russell as on the whole, but this is definitely, I would say, Free Kings probably the best of his films I've seen. Yeah, he didn't write this, even though it says he's a writer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Someone else, that's another thing about it, that um, uh, it was written by someone else. Just relax. We want everybody face down. Come on. Okay, go. Get down. What is your fucking problem? Could you act in a more professional manner, please? You're making him crazy. I want to be professional. He just wouldn't take his fucking rags off. Pay attention to how it's done. Excuse me, sir. Listen, sir, we're going to need you to disrobe like all the other towel heads, okay? So yeah, one thing that really struck me about this film is it's, it is funny. It has a, it's, it's definitely a, a dark, dark comedy. And it's, also, it's got a very strange tone to it because it has these moments of quite broad comedy, like an exploding cow. And there's some, Spike Jonze is quite a comedic character in many ways. But it's also quite upsetting in places. Mm. It really doesn't pull its punches. And what really struck me was when I after watching the film, when I look back, when I realised when this came out, this film came out in 1999. And like obviously, at that point, that's pre-9-11. Yeah. It's also pre-George W. Bush altogether. It's it's Obviously, this film is set in the 1993, 1992, the it's end of the Gulf. I think, 1991, it? sorry. Yeah. At the end of the Gulf War, the first Gulf War, which was the era of George Herbert Bush, the first President Bush. But this film comes out in the Clinton era. So, And then you look at it, and you obviously you look at everything that's happened in the world since, and you just think, oh my God, this film was... Either history just repeated itself so badly or, or this film was so prescient because it really, watching it now, it, the way it, it portrays the Iraqi people and, you know, the way they, the suffering in the film and the, the American white saviour kind of narrative that kind of creeps into the film, mm. I found really uncomfortable in places. But I think the film challenges, it's intending to be a challenging film. Yeah, I, I, when you say about how funny it is, I get, there's many places when I think this is the funny bit, but I, I feel kind of, constricted in that i just think the moments of levity are kind of smacked down by the fact it is kind of it is a very kind of it's a grim film mm. it's, a, it's a, the storyline is grim and i can't get away from that but to raise gets- the laughs because you know when the map's sticking out of the guy's ass that's a funny scene in the funny shot but at the same time it's like he's there because he's trying to 
he's being arrested. They're brutalizing yeah, him. Like he's because he won't just t- give up his weapon, so they just fling him to the ground and like strip him naked forcibly. Yeah. So yeah, there's an inherently funny visual there of Spike Jones having to like pull a piece of paper out of a guy's arse yeah. and only having the one glove. So that's where the joke comes in. But at the same time, you, this is in the context of some guy being really brutalized by mm. by our heroes if they are in fact heroes. Yeah, I get the funny bits, but then Sam, but I, this I is the whole thing. The, the why it's such a successful film because it nails kind of the absurdity of war. Yeah, that it is absurd and it is inhumane and it is kind of crazy and i think if the humor wasn't there then you wouldn't be able to watch this because mm. it would just be terrible it would just be yeah bleak that's why i, I, I class it as moments of levity rather mm. than a comedy it took me a while to sort of get into it to work out what the genre of this film was because in the first half hour we get scenes like that where it's very conflicted between being sort of a comedy and also being a bit serious and like you say our heroes are kind of good and kind of bad at the same time and some bits of it look a little bit difficult to watch but then after about half an hour in I really started to understand what this film was and what it was trying to be and then I was completely sold by it and I was just in it to the end Sorry. what was it? Oh, yeah, what was it Harry? <laughs> explain this film sum up this film I don't know <laughs> had oh, you, you've really put me on the spot had there. you seen it before? nope it's the first time okay. for it. had you yep. seen it before? no never seen it before this okay. is my first time Yeah. nice so let's just do a very quick plot summary. So this film, as we mentioned, is set in around the tail end of the Gulf War, around 1991. And it stars Mark Wahlberg, George Clooney, Spike Jones, and Ice Cube as a quartet of soldiers. They've not really seen much action in the war. They've just been stationed in Iraq. In, are they in Kuwait or are they in Iraq? I think they're in Iraq. Mm. I, I they're near... I can't remember what the, the town. Is it Kabbalah? Yeah, they're near Kabbalah. Which I just thought was that religion Madonna was really into, but apparently that's a different Kabbalah. <laughs> but actually, we should probably disclaimer here, I don't know about you two, but we should do a disclaimer that mine and Harry's knowledge of the Gulf War and you know geopolitics in the Middle East is limited at best. So if we do come across as really ignorant, we do apologise. We will try not to be. I ignorant. concur with your uh, disclaimer. Mm-hmm. I know very little. That me and John don't know anything. Yes. <laughs> you and John don't know anything, and I don't know anything. Helen, how, what's your what's your knowledge of the? I mean, I was alive at that time, Same. but um, to be honest, I th- I think it's all pretty confusing. Yeah. yeah. Although that being said, Harry does have a level of expertise that the rest of us don't because he has actually been to Iraq. Yes. Wow. Yeah, I went there on a family holiday about uh, seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happened there? And why did you choose Iraq? Because we had a friend there. Who okay. He originally came over to Britain to, well, for safety, essentially getting out of Iran at the time. As a refugee? Yes. No, uh, no sorry, as an illegal immigrant. Oh, okay. We met him. We used to live in Mid-Wales. We met him there. That's where he got dropped off for some reason. I guess you're not going to look for immigrants in Mid-Wales. Um, we'll use uh, no names here in case. <laughs> what, specific towns yeah. and stuff. And uh, he, he got to know my mum through, through the library using the free internet that was there. Okay. And, uh, yeah, we stayed friends with him. He... Moved to Birmingham, got a job, earned loads of money. Well, a normal amount of money by British standards. Sent it all back to his family had now moved to Iraq. And uh, his grandparents built a house with it. Then he, oh, wow. he announced himself to the British government as an illegal immigrant. And they deported him as he knew they would. And so then a year or two after he, he moved back, we went and visited him. And uh, it was the weirdest two-week holiday I've ever had. <laughs> Another dark chapter of Harry's uh, yeah, Harry's life. Uh, no, it, it, it was it was a great holiday. It was it's it was a great place to go. Very. Yeah. Um, Which part of Iraq were you in? Sorry. It was a northern part of Iraq, uh, near a city called Sulaymania. Right. It's very scenic. It's lovely. It was very green. I was mm-hmm. expecting the sort of deserts that we get in this film, but uh, no, it was much more like 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 Britain in that, in that regard. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah. Everybody was lovely. Good. Well, and it was safe because this is this is this what what year was this? Uh, 2010. 2010. So you know, still at a time when there was a lot of you know parts yeah. of Iraq were as they are now quite dangerous, and you know, but you in generally didn't see anything 
unsafe. No, we or? were fine. I mean, the the most alarming thing that ever happened to us was on the roads. Every like say three or four miles, there'd be a checkpoint. Yeah, and so somebody would we have to stop, wind down the window. Somebody would put their head in the car and go, "Hey, why have you got three white people in your car?" <laughs> and obviously they wouldn't they wouldn't say that. I don't know, they're speaking a different language. So we have to hand over our passports, and then almost every time they'd threaten to not give us back our passports, and that's not great. And so our guide, the guy visiting, he would have to go out and just bribe them with cigarettes. Really? Every time. Oh, wow. So he, you, he just burned through loads of cigarettes. Did you not, did you not bring like a job load of Benson Hedges with you? No. All right. <laughs> not that you know. So, you know. Your parents might have done. True, true. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's a tip for anyone who's traveling to Iraq. Bring a load of cigarettes. Yeah. That's your tip for Wish You Were Here or TripAdvisor. We are not affiliated with that amazing. advice. That, that, that is Kobe's advice. That is not beyond the box set official <laughs> travel advice then. <laughs> Now it's canonical now in your yeah. in your podcast. Yeah. But one last thing, the nicest thing about about this holiday that I found out about their culture is so we're in a country that's prominently Christian, and so every Sunday we have like a day of rest. Or you know, talking about the England, you mean? Yes. Okay. So you know, sh- shops close earlier or whatever. People go to church depending on how religious you are. Um, in their country, what they do, I don't know if it's affiliated with religion or not, but every Friday the whole country goes for a picnic. Oh, nice. Out in the countryside. Oh, fantastic. Nice. I'd, I'd be down with that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. It's lovely. And then you don't work Saturday and Sunday, or is it... Uh, I'm not too sure. Okay. Yeah, you're 15, so the yeah. concept of working was <laughs> alien to you. Um, back anyway. to Three Kings. Yeah, back to Three Kings. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a diversion. Um, so, yeah, so they are... So our characters are stationed somewhere in Iraq, I believe, uh, and they've not seen much action, so they're quite bored. And then the film kind of opens with... It really sets its stakes pretty early on because the, one of the first scenes we see is Mark Wahlberg who was ostensibly the hero of the film or one of them shooting a, a soldier who was surrendering mm. and killing him and then there's not really any sense that he feels any remorse about that I don't know if he realises the guy was trying to surrender but mm. it immediately sets out this kind of horrific violence and this kind of the fact that these Americans are really capable of being very brutal because then there's immediately after that there is the scene in which they forcibly strip down a bunch of surrendering soldiers take all their weapons take their clothes yeah and while doing that they find one of the soldiers has secreted a document a manuscript in between his buttocks which spike johns then has to remove with one glove which is quite funny and that turns out to be a map to a bunker which they find out is filled with stolen kuwaiti gold bullion which is worth millions and millions of dollars apparently so then George Clooney's character gets wind of this, and so he decides rather than report it, he enlists these three guys, Spike John's Ice Cube and Mark Wahlberg, to kind of go on a day trip to kind of get the gold. And then I had no idea how they were intending to get all this gold back into America. Yeah, me neither. It but, just... Yeah. Get it back and also sell it without raising any you know, yeah. eyebrows. Mm. Anything to declare? No, with these giant bags full of <laughs> yeah. gold bullion. It's just that we can see the gold in you yeah. know, the X-ray machine. <laughs> yeah. We can see the gold there. So, we're just so you can't go into a shop and like... Black market? I guess. Maybe. Must, yeah. just, what would you buy with it? Weapons, probably. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. that's not important. Yeah. No, don't think yes, about it just, too much. Don't think money. about it too much. Yeah, so yeah. For, for plot reasons, that's what they, they decide to do. Um, Why was that gold in... The, the most useless suitcases. How do you, like, oh, do you mean it was that wasn't built to carry them? Yeah. W- w- why was it stored in those suitcases? But then there's perfectly good bags that are nearby because it didn't really add anything to the plot. It was just like a minor inconvenience. Well, it added it, the joke when yeah, Ice Cube lifts Ice Cube. it up and it all collapses. And, yeah, and he knows about the tensile strength of bags. Yeah. He knows that Louis Vuitton bag has got a high tensile strength than the other bags. <laughs> I'm gonna get a fleet Lexus convertibles in every color. I told you Lexus don't make a convertible. Get your Lexus, thank you. You on for that Lexus? It won't be a convertible. Ah, shit! 
You all right? Yeah, I landed on my foot. They definitely didn't get it here in these bags. The tensile strength in these bags is only 200 pounds. What? Tensile strength. He works in an airport. So there's also another side plot with a character journalist played by the actress Nora Dunn, who I only know from Saturday Night Live. She's reporting for one of the American news channels. George Clooney's supposed to be escorting her around so she, to distract her so he can get away for the day. He enlists Jamie Kennedy from the Scream franchise and not much else uh, to take her on a, on a phony trip somewhere, like just to drive her around basically the desert and mm. pretend to get lost. Um, so that's to get her out of the way. So there's kind of a side plot going on there where she's kind of realising that she's being taken for a ride quite literally and trying to figure out where they've actually gone and she kind of, kind of comes into play at the end of the film but I thought that was that was kind of an interesting thing as well because her kind of pl- whole plotline really showed the the privilege of the American press like right. the American soldiers are privileged in one way and she's because she'll, she'll be standing in the middle of like active gunfire in certain points in this film and she won't be remotely concerned and she'll be like I have protection I have protection and she just there's just this assumption of there's a theme in the whole film with this assumption of privilege and a protection that I found really interesting because it was so blithe. There were very few times when it felt like she felt she was in any danger. It's just sort of another layer to how clever this film is. The Gulf War was a little bit of a media war as well because it, it kind of makes a joke that she's the, was it, fourth time runner-up uh, the Emmys, her, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for her reporting, and you know she's going through all these stories that they've already covered, like the the birds covered in oil. They're like, oh, we've done that. We we need the story, yeah. and it it was at that time there wasn't that much to report, and they kind of had to make it more of a thing so the birds in oil weren't good enough so that's why she needs to get this better story yeah yeah because at this point in the film it's a ceasefire that there was a ceasefire between america and saddam hussein's forces so that becomes important because there is no actual war happening at this particular moment not formally so then when the the four characters then do find this bunker and kind of forcibly break their way in and because they're americans they just feel like they can just wander in and everyone has to defer to them but they do end up causing a, a gunfight because they find the Saddam Hussein's soldiers are torturing a man played by Cliff Curtis, the New Zealand actor, called Amir Abdullah, being tortured by Saddam Hussein's soldiers. So they kind of rescue him very clumsily. Then they try and steal the gold. But as they're leaving, his wife shouts out, tells them to please not leave them because the film doesn't really pull its punches on the how much the citizens are suffering because they're crying out for milk for their babies. They've obviously got no food. And they know as soon as the Americans leave, the soldiers will just brutalise them again and it'll just continue. So this character, Emir's wife, shouts out, please don't leave, please don't leave. And then the soldiers just shoot her in the head. Mm. And it's really visceral and upsetting because mm. then her daughter, her little girl, sees it and runs over to the body. And again, for a film that is billed as a black comedy, it's really, really upsetting. That was a stark shot, that. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's a bold thing to do, to put it in there. Mm. And, you know, that's kind of what was happening there. Yeah. And you see, was it Amir's daughter, yeah? Yes. Yeah, yeah so played by Alia Shawkat, um, off of Arrested Development, most notably. Yeah. The first thing you notice is that she's got two arms covered in plaster casts as if they've mm. been broken and so she's been abused or injured in some way that's not pleasant. Mm-hmm. There's kind of a turning point in the film because we realise that George Clooney was out for just to get to get money, but then when he sees that, that happen, mm-hmm. his motives kind of change and forces the rest of the king's motives to kind of change to... Mm-hmm at least be helpful to the people that they are stealing from. Yeah, well, that's the thing. The, these characters are not likeable. Mm. They're not terribly likeable. Like Even to the end, they're really out for the gold and they're not terribly concerned about the suffering that they're seeing around them. And they use a lot of really vile racial slurs against the Iraqis, like, you know, 
raghead, etc., and other ones that I won't say. I'm sure that's how a lot of soldiers did speak and refer to the, the Arabic people at that time, especially in that situation. But yeah, it does. They're not easy to like because they are just out for themselves and out for money. And then it's even the turn. It doesn't. It's not like they have this kind of Damascene conversion where they suddenly become white knights. They they're still mostly just wanting the gold. But then it's also like when faced with a really stark moral choice, they they can't bring themselves to to abandon these people to their deaths. And well, at least George clearly can't. Mm. The, the other characters seem a little bit less convinced at this point. <laughs> <laughs> they really have to go on a journey before they're willing to sacrifice the gold at the end. Yeah. You go now, please. I don't think so. This man is leader of our prizing. Major, let's just stick to the plan. The plan is for the gold, right? Hold on. We can help these people first and then we'll be on our way. No, we can't. This is not what we're here for. Let's go. Put the people in the Humvee. What? Put the people in the Humvee. There's no room. Make room. What happened to necessity? It just changed. Not for me, let's go! Hey, what if that was you? What if this was you without Kevlar? Her getting shot instigates a, a firefight in which several of the Iraqi soldiers are killed, which, which means that the, the three kings have essentially broken the, the ceasefire. So they're now in a huge amount of trouble if this gets out. But they decide to leave with the gold and with the refugees as well, so they take both. And they're kind of pursued by the Iraqis. There's another fight and they get separated. Mark Wahlberg is captured. So then it becomes about trying to rescue him. So he gets brought back to the bunker. Then he's, it's his turn to be brutally tortured. Mm-hmm. There's a scene with him and another soldier who, and they have this kind of very tense standoff where they're comparing their experiences. The, even though this soldier is really brutal to Mark Wahlberg, he talks about how he, his own child was crushed to death and how you know his wife was killed as well. And so, yeah, so again, you really see both sides of it. This isn't just a, a bad guy. This is a person who's very embittered towards the Americans for a very legitimate reason. Yeah. But then, yeah, so there's some really kind of hard-to-watch scenes of the torture there. He, Mark Wahlberg is electrocuted. He's forced to drink oil, which is really oh. horrible. Mm-hmm. And the others kind of stage a rescue mission. And then there's kind of quite a broadly comical bit where they manage to buy some automobiles. And then they... Why do you say automobiles like that? I don't know why. Cars? They, they, cars, yeah. <laughs> like land... <laughs> why did I write down automobiles? I but not a Lexus convertible. Yeah, yeah. I didn't get that. That was a running joke, which I didn't really understand... Well, Lexus don't make a convertible. I just wondered if Lexus were, like, sponsoring the film. Because they got mentioned so much, I thought it might have been product placement. So I didn't see any Lexi. No, were the cars not Lexi then? No. They were Mercedes. And they were Mercedes, okay. Oh, they were Mercedes, yeah. So but then they use those cars to, in this kind of very broadly comedic scene to kind of pose as Saddam Hussein. Like, they send one of the refugees to come in and tell, dressed as a soldier and tell them, Saddam is coming, Saddam is coming. And they literally just all run away. It's like a cartoon. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But it's also, who do they think that soldier is who's saying Saddam is coming and this guy is like, what, five seconds ahead of Saddam? Yeah. <laughs> he just <laughs> yeah. sent a runner. Yeah. Like, well, he's clearly part of Saddam's the Saddam's coming, you're all fucked. Yeah. Yeah, basically. So then they stage this rescue mission. They manage to fight their way into the bunker and rescue Mark Wahlberg. Although in the kind of process of that, first Spike Jones gets shot and then Mark Wahlberg gets shot. And Spike Jones actually dies at this point. But Mark Wahlberg is kept alive. He, his lung is punctured. And so to keep him alive, George Clooney sticks a... Is it like an EpiPen or...? A, it's just a needle. Just a needle into just his... needle with a valve. Yeah, with a valve into his chest. And he has to release the air pressure every... The, the motion you're making there, John, do you know where your chest is? Yeah, sorry, I'm doing <laughs> Well, let's hope it never happens you, to me. John's just... making a motion like he's stabbing his own belly. Yeah. <laughs> your lungs aren't there. Oh, dear. <laughs> Well, if I ever get shot in the lung, I'll just end up stabbing myself in the liver or something. And I thought that was good, like, on-field uh, medical knowledge. Yeah, yeah, well, was. He, he was a doctor, wasn't he? Oh, was yeah. he a doctor? Okay, I, didn't, I well, missed that. Do- doctor. Oh, you mean Dr. in the ER? Doctor, yeah. Okay. yeah. So you can just believe it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Which he was still filming ER at the same time as this. He yeah. was basically doing 
doing like this as his part-time job. Yeah. yeah, this is really early in George Clooney's kind of film stardom. He'd done Batman and Robin, which obviously did not go well for him. Yeah, Batman and Robin. Poor yeah. George. And he, I think he'd already done Out of Sight with Jennifer Lopez as well. Who? Let's not go down that route <laughs> again. That's this, a great film, Out of Sight. Yeah, it's great, yeah. We, we have a bit of a running thing about Jennifer Lopez at the moment, but uh, we won't get into that right now. <laughs> I mean, I really like George Clooney. I think his directorial work, I think his projects are quite interesting. And how, how old is George Clooney at this point, by the way? He must um, be in his mid-50s, surely. No, he wasn't. He was only oh, no, in, oh, his, this film. Oh, in this film. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he would only have been in his late 30s, maybe. Yeah, oh, so sure. Yeah, okay, so he's not 61, so he'd be like, yeah, 38 or something. Okay, okay sure. That's fine. I'm happy with that. Good. <laughs> but yeah, you meant... <laughs> <laughs> and you did mention he wasn't actually the first choice for the role. Do you know no, who was? so basically, the George Clooney character, I mean, these are all terrible, could have been Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood was the favourite. Yeah, yeah, it was written for him. Yeah. Way too old for the role. Yeah. Way too old for the role. And... Mm, Mel Gibson. No. no. Uh, Nick Cage. <laughs> well, I mean, it it's just not... would have been a bit of a cheese fest because uh, this would have been around the time of after Face Off. So yeah. he'd already done Face Off, which. And once you've done Face Off, there's no going yeah. back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jack Nicholson. No, again, way too old Again, for and Dustin Hoffman. So, I mean, yeah. it could have been a completely different film. Mm. It sounds like they were going for an older character. Yeah. yeah, they saddled with George Clooney, who wasn't actually that old, but it was going great. So, yeah, I guess if he's a major close to retirement, that gives you a lot of leeway. Yeah, but yeah I think George Clooney was a good pick. You, you can believe in the moral struggle that he's going through in this film, like which some other actors might have been a bit hammy with. I, yeah. I've got quite like Jack Nicholson. I think mm. I think they would have been good. He's a bit too smarmy for it. I yeah. think it would have been a little bit. I don't know. It would have been a very different portrayal of the character. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely would. So then the film kind of concludes with the, the, uh, there's a lot of tension around Mark Wahlberg having to release that valve every 20 minutes or so otherwise mm. he will die which uh, is cause of quite a lot of tension but then they managed to get the gold and the refugees to the I- Iranian border I think it was but then it was Kuwait wasn't it? Or was it the border to Kuwait? Yeah um, I'm not sure that's the amorphous Yeah We should have a map up really shouldn't yeah. we and we could have <laughs> Had a look at the locations. But there's a border where they'll be safer. Yeah, if they can yeah. cross the border. Yeah. But at that point, the, the rest of the American army have got wind they've, of what's they've, happening. They've hidden like two thirds of the gold somewhere else. Oh yes, they buried one, one piece of gold. each to the villagers. That's yeah. it. They give one piece of gold to each of the refugees. Which again, how are they going to sell that? I don't know. Seems like yeah. a bit of a liability. But Smelt it down and then yeah, <laughs> make <laughs> rings yeah. and sell the rings. Yeah. 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 I guess it gives them leverage. But anyway, so they get to the border, but then the, the rest of the American army have got wind of the fact that this is happening, and so they immediately, they kind of swoop down and, and arrest them for, you know, for breaking the ceasefire for treason, basically. And while they're doing that, Saddam Hussein's forces retake the refugees and put them into this kind of makeshift prison. So you can guess that things aren't going to go well for them. And so that kind of leads to the, the end of the film in which Clooney and Wahlberg and Ice Cube, Spike John's now being dead, sadly, decide, kind of silently decide among themselves that they will sacrifice the gold to use as leverage to say, we'll tell you where all this gold is buried in return for them making sure that the refugees get over the line, basically get to safety. And so that's what they do. And then they're arrested. The refugees go over the border. And then there's kind of a t- quite a tacked on happy ending at the end where it kind of gives you a, some text at the end where it tells you that they actually all, they were fine because they got honorably discharged because the journalist Nora Dunn was also there covering the whole thing. Mm. And so she, because of the story about how they saved all those refugees, that story forced them to be given an honourable discharge and they all lived happily ever after. Although, the film did not tell us what happened to the Iranian refugees, which I thought was a little bit telling. Yeah, I mean, they weren't the main stars. No, so. but, but, but I feel like Cliff Curtis's character and Alia Shawkat, like, you'd invested in them. Yeah. I did like this film a lot. I did have a few critiques. Though. I think it did sometimes lean in a little bit to the American white saviour narrative a little bit. And I think it did ultimately show its hand a bit when it didn't assume we would care what happened to the Iranian 
guys or to Cliff Curtis and Ali Shawkat at least like yeah because yeah, I really feel like the second half of the film was all about getting them to safety and what was going to happen to them and then yeah. to get across the border and we have no idea well yeah. they have the, the moment where the tear gas attack and mm. the, the roles are reversed because mm. uh, the three kings are, have to be taken into the like the yeah the and that's cave. when that's when Mark Warburg gets abducted yeah yes but they have to be saved by the rebel army. Yeah. Mm. A bit Star Warsy there, but uh, yeah. yeah. And so there's a nice little reversal where they're sort of saying, you know, you need our help now. Mm, absolutely. The film does kind of raise kind of an interesting discussion. Once Matt Wahlberg is captured, there's no question that they're going to continue until he's been rescued. George Clooney is very straight on that. He's like, we're, we're not leaving without him. Mm. And so the refugees help them. But it's like, how many, and again, it brings up this kind of idea of what's the value of one American life versus the countless Iraqis who were killed in this film yeah. and who were being killed all the time, so. Where's Barlow? They got him. Where would they take him? Oh, it's his bunker. It's full of Saddam's Republican Guard. Take us there. Well, we don't have transportation. We'll walk till we find some. Why don't you call in the Marines? With what? We don't have a radio. Okay. We'll find a vehicle. You drive back, get a helicopter, fly and get your men. We can't do that. Why not? You have a huge army here. We're not supposed to be involved in the uprising. We killed Iraqi soldiers, broke the peace accord. You know what I think? You're stealing gold, that's what I think. We're fighting Saddam and dying, and you're stealing gold. You're wrong. So, yeah, should we move on to some drinking games? Yep, absolutely. Tough film to do them for, I feel, because it is. there's so much like horrible dark stuff in this film that like finding moments to drink to is like... Well, I've got do, two that I'm quite proud of. Do okay. we... Do we um, say if we have the same point to drink on or do we, we just go around yeah, so we'll do yeah, one each yeah, and then if we yeah, repeat it's yeah. fine yeah so do, do you guys want to start helen do you want to then we'll go around um have a drink every time you see ripped mark warburg without his shirt on mm, yeah i had that too does that happen mm. that often it's a few times yeah so when he's running away yeah I remember mm-hmm. that. and okay. at the start as well when they're celebrating i'm pretty sure there's some ripness going on there i think it's in his contract <laughs> in all his films he must be shirtless at least a third of his time on screen yeah. <laughs> or get his Thingy out. Oh, yeah. Which he does in Boogie Nights, Indeed, but not in yeah. this. Not in this, sadly, no. no but yeah. I had drink every time Spike Jones' character is culturally inappropriate. Yes. That's a good one. That, that's that a very one good well. one. Yeah. Come on, you've washed your hands like a thousand times, Conrad. Lord knows what vermin live in the butt of a dune coon. Why do you let this cracker follow you around, man? Oh, he's all right, man. He's got no high school. He's from a group home in Dallas. He doesn't know any don't better. Tell people that. I don't give a shit if he's from Johannesburg. I don't want to hear dune coon or sand nigga from him or anybody else. Captain uses those terms. Look, the point is, Conrad, the towel-head and camel jockey are perfectly good substitutes. Exactly. Drink for weird musical cues, like yeah. jarring musical cues. Like there's lots of, like, I think when they attack the bunker, is it, is it playing a Beach Boys song? Yeah. And also there's Eddie Murphy's Party All The Time is playing when they raid the first one. I the, think. It is, you're right, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very, like, yeah, jarringly upbeat for when you're watching some quite... In- and also the Michael Jackson question as well. Oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> King of Pop? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had that that. Good, yeah, I had the musical cues. Pop yeah. references. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, take a shot anytime somebody gets shot. Oh, oh, that's, that's good. good. Of course, yeah. of course yeah. silly. Thank you, thank you. I mean, I mean you, would, <laughs> you would be in a coma. Is that... Like, <laughs> you're not going to last long. Is that, that one you're quite proud of? Is that? Yeah. Okay, yeah. good. Maybe take a sip of beer. Don't don't do a shot of like yeah. absinthe because you'll be destroyed dead by the first twenty minutes. So yeah. um, anytime Saddam is referred to, particularly, maybe take a double shot when there's a illustration or picture of him. Yeah. Oh, good. I'd yeah. Too, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Take a drink every time 
Cliff Curtis' character has to translate from Arabic to English, but not the other way around. Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he quite often he just tra- he translates for the Americans, but not being Iraqi yeah. or being able to speak Arabic. He he does every now and again say something Arabic, but you kind of think he doesn't know how to say these things properly. Yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, we find out he went, he he's from America, isn't he? He's Kiwi. He, he's Kiwi. Oh, the actor, oh, of course. Oh, I yeah. see what you mean. So the, they didn't do that because the actor couldn't speak Farsi or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I see. Oh, that's, I didn't think of that. But yeah, I just thought it was funny because it was maybe making a joke of the fact that all the Iraqis had basic English, but obviously they've not bothered to learn any Farsi or any Persian, whatever the language they're no, yes. speaking. No, so, yeah, the point was, I, think, I don't think he's learnt Arabic. Yeah, sure. Oh, that's, that brings it into a whole new light for me. I didn't think of that. Of course he wouldn't speak those languages. So, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it, it is weird. It's one of those weird things that I don't think they do as much anymore. But anyone who has remotely like brown skin can basically play any ethnicity from... Because he's a New Zealander, but he's obviously played a lot of Arabic characters and other actors. Latino. Have done that. Yeah. Lati- Latinas often play Arabic characters as well and vice versa. Well, so. yeah, Cliff Curtis is around quite a lot as in American film as a Latino actor. Mm. Um, but he's of Maori descent... So it's, uh, yeah, it's weird. It's quite interesting. So my last one was drink for references to Lexus Infinity Convertible. Oh yeah, good, good call. Uh, my last one was waterfall your drink when Wahlberg drinks oil. Ooh, <laughs> um, didn't know that. Yeah, nice. I'd listen to one last one every, every time there's a, a piece of gold. Okay. Oh, just a shot of the gold. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Okay. Have you got any more, Kobe? Or are you done? Yeah, I had a couple more. Okay. Um, drink when there is a fancy or stylized camera move. Mm-hmm including the an- animations or when they're doing slow motions or doing like s- sweet pans to things. And also drink every time we see the Chekhov's gun of the American footballs after the first time we see them in the... Oh, yeah. yeah. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Okay. So shall we take a moment to talk about Patreon? Yeah. So we're on Patreon. And if you would like to support us for as little as $2 a month or as much as $15,000 a month, go to patreon.com slash set. There we have a bonus show called Beyond Beyond the Box Set, where about weekly we review a film. Yep, usually a new cinema release rather than you know a back catalogue piece, which we normally do on this show, obviously. Yeah, it's a, it's a good opportunity for us to talk about films that we don't normally talk about on this. Yeah, podcast. films that might have sequels, might be sequels, like we're going to do Jurassic World 2 soon, and boy, do we have some thoughts. Oh. Um, did yeah. you see it last night, did you? We saw it last night, week, yeah, and it was garbage. <laughs> we can talk about this off the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's not go down that route we're on. But Yeah, <laughs> yeah so we've got that there. Uh, we also, once a month, we'll do a free advert slot, uh, 30 seconds for whatever you want to advertise. Could be your own podcast, could be your own business, could be Jelly Babies. There's a lot of, a lot of them in front of me, and they're very tasty. And there's a third thing we do, but I've forgotten. Don't you get uh, people who've donated to you That's on it. the show? See, Kobe knows better than we do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so once a month we will select one of our Patreon supporters and give them the opportunity to choose a film for us to cover on Beyond the Box Set. Obviously, that means we'll do sequels and everything, the whole shebang. If that supporter would like to join us on the show to talk about the film, they're welcome to, although that's not obligatory. You can just tell us a film and we'll do it for you. Brilliant. So that's that. Patreon.com slash Beyond the Box Set. Yes, and it's a pay-as-you-feel system, so you can pay as much or as little as you like within the confines of minimum $2 a month and maximum $15,000 a month, which is Patreon's maximum and how spend. many how many patrons do you have that pay fifteen thousand dollars a month? Right now, 12. none. Twelve. <laughs> but we live in hope. One one of these days, it only takes one. Yeah. One of these days, and we will you know we'll fly out and do an episode with you wherever you are in the world for that price. You know. <laughs> do it in your bedroom. Mm. Or, are, are you guys rich? Do you, could, yeah. could you afford Spare fifteen thousand? Yeah. Um, I cannot. Maybe I can afford it once. Yeah. Not even once. If you if you could, that'd be. For just $15,000 a month, you can feed this boy. <laughs> feed you what? Like, like just more jelly babies? Yeah, more yeah. jelly babies. A lifetime supply of jelly babies. Oh, that'd be great. 
Uh, yeah, so as Harry mentioned, go to patreon.com slash set to find out about that, and we would really appreciate it. Okay, guys, before we get on with the show, I just want to take a quick moment to talk to you about our new sponsor, Studio. Studio are a high-quality Swedish headphone brand offering a range of stylish wireless headphones and accessories for all your listening needs. Now, personally, I like a nice chunky over-ear headphone, so I'm currently using their Regent design in black. The sound quality is absolutely fantastic, and they're really easy to use and carry. Best of all, if you're a podcaster or a musician, and you sometimes need that guaranteed zero latency sound while recording, these headphones do come with detachable wires that you can use to connect them directly to your phone, tablet, or computer. If you prefer something a little lighter, they also offer classic in-ear and sports headphones in a range of colours and designs. Just go to studio.com to explore the full range, and if you enter the offer code BOXSET at the checkout, you can earn 15% off your first purchase. That's studio.com, offer code BOXSET. B-O-X-S-E-T, no spaces. Okay, now on with the show. All right, on some sequels. Great, so do you guys want to go first? Yeah, we. Um, I don't think we have a title for this. Yeah, I, no. I've got a provisional title, but I think it's <laughs> what did nonsense. you come up with? We were, we were supposed to discuss this before you guys turned up. That's um, all right. We, we like on, on air brainstorming. That's just quite fun. So. Good. Yeah. So, guys, feel free to chip in as we. Yeah. As we I mean, it's this. very much a work in progress. Yeah. Wait, cool. Do we have a title? <laughs> I don't think we did. Oh yeah. So. Oh, we did. Didn't oh yeah. We? yeah we'll yeah. get to it. We'll get to in it. In fact, I yeah, because um, as a side note, I've got a lot of other top of the head ideas I wrote down, all pretty much based on the iterations of the title. I thought this would be really easy, and then I was thinking about it i was like oh, i can't really i don't well the title or the, the rest of the story just like i tried to think i was like i could come up with loads of sequels and then i sat down and went i don't actually know what i'd do with it but anyway this is what we came up with so this is three kings two six royals because <laughs> three times two equals six <laughs> that's where that's six terrible. royals comes from sure um okay, so we'll see where it goes yeah so this is following on from where they left off they all live in california ice cube and Clooney are working in the film industry directly uh, Market Mark's working as a carpet maker, carpet shop. He is a carpet shop. He is a carpet <laughs> shop. Uh, George Clooney is married to Judy Greer. Oh, nice. Okay, sure. And they have a son. Great. Ice Cube married his high school sweetheart, played by Nia Long, and they have a boy. Very good. And, of course, Mark Warburg has uh, at least one daughter. I'm not sure. I can't remember. I'm not we sure. could have maybe had another one, couldn't I think we? They and then you could have another one. done the twins but then. In the, in the outset, when you see the carpet shop, there's another baby. Okay. I'm not sure what sex that was let's make it another girl make it another girl okay uh, I have another girl played by someone we will come up with later on sure well no then we could put the twins in then the twins America yeah. and Ashley yeah okay the, we'll get to the casting yeah in we'll a get minute. to the casting in a bit so the kids are played by Elizabeth Olsen okay O'Shea Jackson who is Ice Cube's son in real life plays his son oh great cool um, I think that's what will always happen He'll either play his son or himself at an early stage in life. <laughs> and Ryan Gosling plays George Clooney and Judy Greer's son. Okay. Oh, so Elizabeth Olsen is playing Mark Wahlberg's daughter. Yeah. Okay. So is this film set like 20 years after the original then? Played I think 27 years after. 27. Okay, so that makes sense. It's present day. Specific. Okay, sure. So it's present Yeah, present day. Okay. That's why it's yeah, 27 years later. Okay, that makes sense. I was um, doing some maths in my head. Like, how old is Elizabeth Olsen? Yeah. Okay, cool. I think it kind the of works The ages out. sort of work out. We were just trying to work out together. ages and... I was basing on what kind of teeth everyone's got okay. as to <laughs> how relevant they'd look as ba- babies, so children, that's it. <laughs> if this is 27 years later, how old is George Clooney playing? Well, he's playing now, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, so he's playing now. Everyone's playing themselves now. Okay, but so he was at retirement age. Oh, but he's not in the war. We, we do, I mean, we can go through the rest of the synopsis before we can okay, okay. start to pick it apart. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> do carry um, on. So George Clooney and Ice Cube, they left and joined the film industry as uh, military consultants, but they're more disillusioned with their, their lot in life. They uh, still work in Hollywood, but not 
they're trying to forge a career in production or writing or even acting, but nothing kind of seems to stick. They're a bit desolate and don't have much money, but and they're looking a bit tubby and out of shape. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think George Clooney would go for that. Well, you know, he's done not... it before. Has he? Yeah, he did it in Syria. Oh, okay. Right. I've not seen that one. Did Did he gain weight for the role? He or did. did he just wear it? Oh, okay. Yeah. Carry on. Elizabeth Olsen is the brightest of the three Kings kids and the most kind of precocious going up. She went to the University of Southern California, which is where a lot of the film studies happened in California, and they have their close ties to Hollywood. Uh, when she finishes, she actually writes a script based on the stories that her dad and her friends used to tell. Mm-hmm. about what they did in Iran, Iraq during that war. And she sends it off to film studios. Nothing happens. But in, in the course of that, she meets a studio executive, Emma Stone. Okay. But she kind of says this film script's going nowhere. Cliff Curtis's daughter, as played by Alia Shawkat, her role is revised. She comes to America okay. as present-day Alia Shawkat and says, look, guys, you saved my family all those years ago. Uh, we're in dire straits now. There's some real shit going down. So all the three kings banged together and like, we need to help them out like we did 27 years ago. Mm-hmm. I should have said by this point, um, because Elizabeth Olsen has no kind of career plan, she goes to Vegas and tries to do something there okay. to service the plot. <laughs> <laughs> the three kings get together and we're like, we need to raise some money. How can we do this? And Elizabeth Olsen, who's been working in Vegas for a while, says... Guys, I, I know the system. I know how we can. Oh, she like a croupier or something then? Well, we're not 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 too sure, but she's in the she could be. she's in the world. She could be a croupier. Yeah. Okay. She's like, I know how to game the system here. We can we can make some money. So all the, I've seen Ocean's Eleven. I've seen Ocean's <laughs> Eleven. And I've some seen familiar a, characters. Yeah, it? I've seen a prequel to Ocean's Eight. Um, let's do something. So all the kings go together. The, all the royals, including mm-hmm. Ryan Gosling, who's there for comic relief, playing his role as uh, pretty much as the nice guys. Because we want him to do more comedy. Yeah, so sure. we're going to write him a role where he does more comedy. More comedy. Okay, yeah, sure. O'Shea Jackson is the muscle, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and we haven't kind of got to the details of the high stroke, how to get money, but it works. Great. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sure. It's fine. Uh, and they go to the Middle East, wherever Ali Shawkat and her dad are, are played out, are based in the moment. Unfortunately, something happens there, some kind of altercation, and Cliff Curtis dies oh, in, no. in this in this version of, this, of the film. But, you know, because they raised money... It kind of goes well for the rest of the people there who they've helped out. They've you know helped set up a village or get people out of financial duress and, and strife and trouble. They come back to America, and Emma Stone comes up to George Clooney and says, "Well, I got this script like, a few years ago from this lady, and um, we, we don't think much of it, but it might be the kind of thing you like to have a look at." And he reads the script and is like, "This is this is Mark Wahlberg's daughter. This is our this is our story. We need to, we need to do this." Mm-hmm. And because they've got some money from the heist, they put some money together to, to produce it. And um, during that production of the film, Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling meet, as they always have to. Oh, cool. I see where this is yeah. going. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and they become romantically entangled. Um, that's kind of where we've. That's um, where we cut to. That's where we got okay. to. Yeah. Oh, so it's all just building up to as a bizarre prequel to La La Land? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> well, to, or Crazy Stupid. Yeah. Well, just the, um, yeah, yeah. It's just an addition to I the Ryan like Gosling, those two on Emma Stone canon. Sure, yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, any any thoughts on where that could have gone? Or yeah. Have no. Gone? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it's an interesting twist. I like the idea of them in Vegas. I think that's, that's there's a lot of fun you could have there because yeah. Yeah, it's a different setting. I like that because it is a very character-driven film. So I like the idea of like same characters, different setting. And yeah. Yeah. Are we going to have the, the meet cute between Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling? Is that like the end of the film? Is that like the is that like the, the beat that the ends the film kind of thing? Well, it could be, yeah. We don't need yeah. to see the film being made, do we? The, yeah. the film within no. the film being made. Yeah. But uh, that could be the sparks of fly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
No, that's good. So yeah, we decided to go in a slightly different direction as well, didn't we, Harry? Yes. Um, by the way, John, I've just done a quick find and replace on our little story here because, uh, well, I didn't know that there was a difference between Ice Tea and Ice Cube. Oh, right. Have you been referring <laughs> to Ice, ice Tea for the entire film? Yes. Uh, well, you've not corrected me, so... Oh, all right, fine. Well. Clearly you didn't notice, but uh, anyway, Ice Cube is in this. <laughs> so we've got one called Three Wise Men, mm-hmm. which is going to be set in present day. Yeah, some, 27 some, years some later. Deals, yeah. And so the three kings, they all individually get contacted by the journalist. Nora Dunn's character. Okay. Um, and they get enlisted for a free trip to Iraq. <laughs> 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 Sorry. You guys paid to go to Iraq, but how many people... <laughs> it's the way you say free trip, I love it. Well, no, there's a reason. But it's not like, hey, free holiday to Iraq. It's, no, there's a reason for them to go to Iraq, which Harry will now illuminate. Yeah, sure. yeah it's, it's, it's not a holiday. <laughs> yeah, all expenses paid trip to Iraq, but for a purpose. Yeah. So they're going to reunite with the father and daughter that they helped rescue last time. When they get there, they discover that the reunion was actually a front, and they've been enlisted by the FBI for a secret mission. Ooh. Okay. Hidden in a bunker nearby, uh, sorry, nearby the one they raided, is an artifact of untold power. We've decided to go down the supernatural route for this. Uh, So, yes, so basically the FBI tells them that a group of Saddam Hussein loyalists uh, are also looking for this artifact. And they need to stop it from falling into the wrong hands. So they have to find the location of the bunker, invade it, and bring back the artifact in exchange for a large reward. And they've kind of the reason they brought these three characters back is that this is all taking place in the area that they kind of had the intimate knowledge of in the first, from the first film. So it's like, you guys know the area, so we're going to send you guys. And also, you're not known to be active in the army anymore, so it's a completely secret mission. Black so, Ops. Black Ops, yeah. And they've been teamed up with a army officer, like played by Channing Tatum, who's going to be escorting them. And also, the Cliff Curtis and Alia Shawcat are going to be back as well uh, yep. to act as translators to help and guides. So. Maybe as proper translators. Cliff Curtis has to work for this one. So she learns some Farsi. Yeah. What does what does Alice Shawcat say in the film? Does she does she speak anything in? Just, she just kind of says "mama." Yeah. yeah. Okay. What, so, a, what a role. She is actually of, I believe, a, Iraqi descent. I believe her father is Iraqi. Okay. Don't quote me on that. Whether or not she speaks Farsi or Persian, I have no idea. But um, again, she can learn Arabic. It would be, it would be Arabic. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. There's so many disclaimers in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> So this time, as they've got the full support of the military, they're not going rogue, they have a vehicle each. So George is leading the team in a Humvee. Mark Wahlberg is driving a tank. Um, Ice Cube is driving a lorry with a helicopter on the back. I thought there's going to be an, a convertible Infinity or yeah. Lexus there. Yeah, where's the Lexus? They're, they're military vehicles. Okay, yeah, sure. Okay. Right, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the military don't drive stupid cars. And the father and daughter are riding in George's vehicle and uh, Trenton Tatum's in a supply truck. So the FBI has intelligence that the artifact is hidden in a bunker somewhere in the outskirts of Erbil in northern Iraq, which is several days' drive. This sounds like you've done research. Yes. <laughs> yes, we've... Uh, yes. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> we take the, our jobs very seriously here at Beyond the Box. Everything's fact-checked, yep. and we know when we've got facts wrong. Yep. <laughs> uh, ice tea versus ice cube. Yep. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so several days' drive from the Kuwait border, the troop is attacked by a local armed militants, and a battle ensues, and they manage to fight them off using their tanks and their massive firepower, including a kick-ass helicopter chase, just, you know, to give it some... This might be directed by Michael Bay or someone. We want a big action sequence. Oh, we didn't, uh, we didn't think about directors, did we? Yeah. It could just be David George. Russell again, yeah? Sorry? George Cleaning. Oh, George oh, is now George directing. George okay, yeah. Sense. David Russell would not be happy about that, <laughs> but still. So, yeah, they managed to fight off the militants, but in the confusion, their supply truck is actually blown up, leaving them without any fuel or food and water, stranded in the middle of the desert. So Ice Cube is forced to take the helicopter to scout out supplies. He takes the daughter with him so that he has a translator. He arrives at the local village and announces that he's looking for transport. 
Using a daughter as a translator, he begins haggling with one of the local merchants, which we were going to cast uh, Amjad Jalili. Amjad Jalili, yeah. The, the comedian, yeah. Amjad Jalili. Amjad Jalili. Amjad Jalili. Jalili. Because he always seems to play these, like, again, these kind of ethnic uh, merchant yeah. characters like he's Gladiator. Like, that's and his stand-up. Yeah, Gladiator is in um, The Mummy, I think, as well. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. It's just a very, a very him kind of role. So. Yeah, and he's good fun. Yeah. So we, we don't actually see what he's bargaining for, but we just see him say, how much one of these bad boys? And the merchant sees that he's desperate, smiles, and says... I'll do your deal since I like you. One billion dinar each. And Ice Cube does a classic comedy spit take. Says, but I don't have five billion dinar. And the dealer says, well, maybe we can come to some arrangement. And smiles at the helicopter. Have you got any conversion as to that? What dinar is either in Bitcoin or... I think it's a very Euro. weak currency. So is what it? are we talking there? Like? An Apache helicopter is about 10 billion dinar. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 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 what I, that's what I looked up. <laughs> so you want about... So it's about seven million dollars. Okay. 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 Which Ice Cube obviously doesn't have as pocket change. So. No. so we cut back to the convoy and Clooney and Wahlberg have become delirious due to the dehydration of, you know, they've got no food and water. They've been out there for a few days. Let's say Ice Cube's been on this recce for a few days or something. And they start seeing visions. And one of the visions they see is of the ghost of Spike Jonze's character. That's good. I was thinking we should maybe have done a tribute to him or something. To Spike. Yeah. I mean, the actor's still alive though, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the character. Uh, so they become kind of overwhelmed with guilt and start freaking out. And at this point, Channing Tatum's character, the military leader, realises that he's not dealing with the crack military experts that they've been painted on, as in Nora Dunn's story from the original. He's actually dealing with a team of complete idiots, which is closer to what they actually are. And so he's very disheartened at this point. So the situation continues to get worse. And just as all hope seems lost and they resign themselves to a slow and painful death in the desert, Channing Tatum sees something coming over the horizon. And he says, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Over the horizon, they see Ice Cube riding towards them, leading a herd of camels. <laughs> what? <laughs> Channing Tatum says, where's the helicopter? And Ice Cube says, traded it in for these. Channing says, are you effing kidding me? You traded in a multi-million dollar military helicopter for a pack of effing camels. Why, why have you written effing in oh, this? Oh, because there was a small child sat next to us. I don't know why even my racing, I felt I couldn't use the F word. <laughs> we while wrote this on the train. There was a small child sat next to us. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, there was actually... Oh no! no she was sat. Ac- yeah. Okay. Well, she was sat across, but I, I, I was I was saying effing, so not to be obnoxious. Okay. I think I, I just subconsciously wrote it down as well. So you can say so, fucking. We we were an explicit you, podcast. You traded in a multi-million dollar hel- helicopter for fucking camels. Ice Cube replies, "What? No. What? What? What kind of idiot would do that? Well, well, then what the fuck are these? Just, and then Ice Cube says, "Just drink some water. Drink some water." And the soldiers drink some water and see that it's not camels. It's actually supercars. So it's just because they were so delirious, okay. he was seeing like, he was seeing a vision of camels, and then yeah. with these new automobiles, these new cars, these supercars. Sorry, why do I keep saying automobiles? <laughs> so, <laughs> so with these new cars, the Ice Cube has brought back for them. They managed to reach the point on the map of where the underground bunker is supposed to be. And Channing Tatum kind of explains that they, they don't actually know exactly where the bunker is because it's underground, but they know roughly where the entrance is expected to be based on radio signals. So he kind of says, "Look, we're just going to have to scour the area with a fine-tooth comb." And then George Clooney kind of points over to the right where we see that there's an entire fleet of Russian tanks parked. And he says, I think it's probably there. So, and then Channing Tatum probably has a comedy reaction like, oh, motherfucker. Did we mention that the Russians are also chasing for this bunker? Did no, we tell? not now we have. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, basically, the, the secret, as well as the Saddam Hussein's forces, also the Russians are trying to get hold of this artifact for reasons. So that's yeah. why there's Russians here. Yeah. So most of the Russians are already in the bunker, but there's a couple standing guard at the vehicles. So... The three kings, or the three wise men, whatever we're calling them now, <laughs> they stealthily invade and take them down hand to hand because guns would be too noisy at this point. They're trying to not let people know that they've arrived. So this is where we're going to get a very stylized montage of George Clooney doing hand to hand combat from his 
his 20 years in Hollywood stunt training. Mm -hmm. So we're thinking, what's a good bit of music for a George Clooney hands-on combat montage? Would it be to take one from Rocky? Could be, yeah. It could just be classic Rocky theme. Kid, you're the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that works. Mm -hmm. I've just got potty all the time in my head. Yeah, <laughs> could, we could bring that potty all the time, yeah. Uh, or maybe some like Michael Jackson, who's bad. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Smooth Criminal. Mm, yeah. Yes. Oh, you haven't thought of one? This is, this no, is no, we're asking you. It says here, ask Flixwatcher for montage music. Yeah. Okay. So. I thought you'd come up with one. What? No, we like to brainstorm a little bit here oh, and there. So. Yes. Yeah, so they leave Channing Tatum behind to look after the translators and the three kings, or the three wise men, head into the bunker. And as they infiltrate the bunker, they see that the, the Russians, who've obviously beaten them to the punch, are already in the middle of a fierce firefight with the Iraqis, causing a lot of confusion, but giving the Americans the element of surprise. So they make their way to a storage room where they find huge piles of gold bullion. And they, ice they essentially just let that situation play itself out, just like, well, we didn't yeah, get There's only three there. of them. They're not going to jump in the middle of that. They're just going like, to take advantage of the confusion to explore the bunker. So they find a huge a storage room where they find another batch of gold bullion, and Ice Cube declares, this time I'm not going home empty-handed. So they grab one bar each and shove it into their backpacks. And then they decide to wait out the battle to see who wins, as they're comparatively underpowered as there's only three of them. So they're just going to see how it all plays out. The Iraqis manage to finish off the Russians, and they continue exploring the bunker, little knowing uh, that they're being tracked by the Three Kings. So while tracking the Iraqis through the bunker, Mark Wahlberg spots a familiar face. Saeed, the Iraqi soldier who tortured him in the first movie. Um, he has been badly injured by the crossfire, and so Wahlberg gets the upper hand of him very quickly and uh, drags him into a, an abandoned room to extract information from him. Meanwhile, Ice Cube and Clooney continue following the other soldiers. Wahlberg talks to Saeed, but unfortunately there's no spare oil to hand, so he's forced to improvise and make him down an entire bottle of iron brew. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, iron brew is disgusting, so Saeed willingly tells all. <laughs> <laughs> so so he reveals I don't know why there's barrels of iron brew in an Iraqi bunker but we're just going to go with it sure <laughs> I mean there were all sorts of random artifacts in true, there true 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 yeah. yeah the reason there's not iron brew so Saeed reveals that the artifact is in fact an ancient relic that can be used to reincarnate the dead we're going like full Indiana Jones at this point yeah. and they're planning to use it to bring back Saddam Hussein and restore him to power because <laughs> I kind of like the idea that Saddam Hussein was like the boogeyman in this film so I thought like, let's get, continue with that kind of thing so Wahlberg says, we're never going to let that happen. We're going to get that artifact first. And Saeed says, no, if you remove the obelisk without performing the proper rituals, you'll trigger an ancient booby trap that will destroy the bunker and everything in it. So Mark Wahlberg goes, shit, and then races to stop Clooney and Ice Cube before it's too late. So coming back to Clooney and Ice Cube, um, <laughs> the, the Iraqis that they've been following, they, they found the room containing the artifact and using their own resources, they blow up the door. And this is the moment that Clooney and Ice Cube decide to use their own surprise and attack, managing to overpower all the soldiers and disarm them. At the back of the room, there is a shrine. In the centre of the shrine is the artefact they've been looking for, in the shape of a golden obelisk. Now, just at the moment that Mark Wahlberg races in, shouting, Stop! Stop! Clooney grabs the obelisk and removes it from the shrine. And the whole room immediately starts shaking, things falling off shelves and whatnot. Could have, like... Iron brew being spilled out. Yeah, just, yeah, just rivers of iron brew just like yeah. crashing down the car. Yeah, because you had that milk scene, didn't you? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. As soon as George Clooney grabs the thing, the, the bunker starts collapsing in itself. So they sprint through the collapsing bunker to try and get out before it's too late. And as they're sprinting, Mark Wahlberg kind of explains to the other two what's going on and how the obelisk can be used to reincarnate the dead. And the Iraqi loyalists are trying to use it to bring back Saddam Hussein. The Russians have obviously got their own nefarious plans for it. And who knows what the Americans want with it. So. 
Oh yeah, we I think the, we said the Russians wanted it to bring back Stalin. Sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. We don't we're, know. We're, we're rapidly approaching our destination on the train at this point, so it was like, let's wrap this up. So they get to the entrance of the bunker and they have to climb a ladder to get out. And Channing Tatum is standing at the entrance, and he yells at them to throw up the obelisk. And they realise that the US government must also know what it does, and they intend to use it, but they don't know for what. So with moments to spare at the bottom of the ladder, they talk about it, whether they want to hand it over to the US government or not. Warburg wants to use it to bring back Spike Jones, whose death he, feel, he still feels responsible for. Ice Cube wants to give it to the US government and collect the reward, but Clooney argues that the moral thing to do would be to destroy it so nobody can misuse its power. I like the idea of them having this very kind of intense debate about moral relevancy while, while literally everything is falling around about it's tension. Know, apart around them. Yeah. And is it, is it a one-use artifact? Have we established that? No, no, no. No, no, it's, it's not clear, yeah. No. It's not, yeah, could, could be, maybe mm-hmm. it need to be. So obviously they're leaving it to the absolute last minute. Clooney says, right, start climbing, I'm right behind you. They Suddenly they're out, they're out of time. So when they're midway up the ladder, Channing shouts, throw it up to me now, with a manic look in his eyes, like he's just gone crazy. So Clooney sees the look in Channing Tatum's face and instantly knows what he has to do. No, no good can come of the Americans getting hold of this obelisk or anyone getting hold of it. So he says, if you want it, go and get it. Classic movie line. And he throws it deep behind him into the collapsing caves. And Channing Tatum shouts, no, and jumps down the 10-meter tunnel instead of using the ladder. So he breaks both his legs on impact. And we, we just see him dragging himself towards the obelisk at a painfully slow pace while Clooney and the gang climb to safety. And they get away from the area quickly and from a distance watch as the entire thing collapses into a massive crater in the ground and then covers over with dirt as if by magic. Like in Aladdin. Yeah, yeah very much yeah. inspired by Aladdin, yeah. Our heroes get in their cars, drive off into the sunset, each with a gold bar in a passenger seat. And end of movie, <laughs> yeah. credits roll, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. We didn't have any dialogue in ours, so I love the way you obviously included that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's optional. It's it's I like the, um, the Raiders of the Lost Ark kind of theme going on. I think that yeah. was good. So I felt there's Raiders of the Lost Ark obviously because you had the FBI in there mm-hmm. with supernatural things it ties into the X-Files type um, arena without Mulder and Scully being there yeah mm. and will Channing Tatum have his shirt off at any point oh Is throughout can, throughout yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> permanently he's, he, he's never seen with uh, any clothes on his yeah. upper body whilst you guys were doing that which is fantastic by the way oh, thank uh, you. I looked at the price of one gold bullion okay. on the internet uh, it's displayed on the screen there um, it costs £398,000 for one gold bullion. So they've left, if they've got one each, they've oh, left right. quite a substantial amount of money there. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I thought it was going to be worth a lot more than that. Okay, maybe they take right. five each or something. I don't know. No, Well, I don't know. I, One's better than a kick in the teeth. But. Look, if you if you took that home to, to Manchester, mm-hmm. you'd be able to buy a fairly Leeds. decent house. Leeds, please, yes. Well, well, I'm, I'm, I'm from Manchester. You're from Manchester, sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're from Leeds. Well, Leeds, you, I don't know, you might be able to get a better place then sure yeah. yeah take it straight down to cash for gold you know <laughs> cash generator yeah. <laughs> what will you give me for one gold bullion yeah <laughs> uh, but yeah i mean really the whole indiana jones supernatural vibe was very much just so we could avoid talking about anything political whatsoever sure. so just sure. played it very safe there I mean, but, we've, uh, we've mentioned stalin the- in this i i must say my disclaimer i know more about jennifer lopez than i do about stalin okay sure <laughs> <laughs> Well, what's Death of Stan? It's a good film. Okay. Mm. Stars Jennifer Lopez in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> An unusual role for her. Yeah, yeah fantastic. I, I like the Russians being in there as well. Yeah, yeah for no reason, just yeah. because they have to be, because, you know, movie laws. So, yeah. Cool. Any questions? When is it out? Coming soon to a cinema near you. TBC. TBC. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Uh, okay, so shall we wrap up with some listener submissions? Let's do it. Uh, cool. Do you, want to, do you want to hear the brief outline, top of the head ones that I came up with? As oh, right. Yes. Oh, sure. Yeah, go for it. The first one's called We Three Kings. I just like the name. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what that was going to be. So Three Kings and a Big Lady, uh, <laughs> playing on the title of Three 
men and little lady. Sure. Uh, Mark Wahlberg's wife and second child die in a car crash, leaving him alone to look after their daughter. Um, so they bang together with uh, George Clooney and Ice Cube and raise Razor together. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, <that's cute. laughs> Three Ninja Kings. <laughs> I think you probably see where I'm going with these uh, titles. <laughs> Um, so they come back and realise that they should have they're still poor and they should have at least walked away with one gold bullion as we've decided is worth nearly £400,000 which must mean half a million dollars mm-hmm. and think shit we've missed a trick here mm-hmm. spend seven years training because that's how long it takes 10,000 hours seven years with the trainers become ninjas and I thought because if we did the ninja style discreetly we would have walked away with money so they go they go away seven years become ninjas go back to their place find more gold bullion steal it so three ninja kings. Nice. Yeah. Um, three kings, two, the three amigas. Nice. So I was trying to get three amigas in there somehow. Mm-hmm. This story is Judy Greer, who plays Clooney's wife. Elizabeth Olsen is uh, Mark Wahlberg's daughter. And Tessa Thompson, who is Ice Cube's daughter, okay. uh, are in a sci-fi film together. Uh, meanwhile, somewhere in space, an endangered alien race sees the film and believes it to be true. Uh, <laughs> and oh, teleports dear. them across uh, the universe to help them uh, save their dying, dying planet from monsters and uh, things. So that's oh. Galaxy Quest. That's Galaxy Quest and yeah. Three Amigos. Cool. The Three Amigos story is the same, isn't it? I haven't seen. I've not seen Three, Amigos, three Amigos. Amigos. Well, I think I have, but I can't remember. Yeah, it. it's been a long time. That's why. That's why I put Three I Amigos. I like that. That's yeah. good. good. And then yeah, that's it. Cool. So then you guys. Uh, the listeners have put forward yeah, some ideas. Yeah, we, we put the call out on social media. We had a lot of answers. This was a popular choice, actually, so well done. It's a few similarities to yours. So actually, yeah, one of the first ones came through from Andrew J. Hawthorne, whose idea was also called Free Kings and a Little Lady. Uh, in this version, all the gold was used to buy fertility treatments, and now Mark Wahlberg is pregnant. <laughs> so, <laughs> Mark Wahlberg in junior or something. Junior, yeah. uh, DJ Malmberg said, instead of a sequel, I say go with a prequel, Two Princes. So... Yeah. yeah. Ryan e. Johnson said Free Dope Queens. Because mm-hmm. there's, there's a TV show on. Is it a Netflix show? Free Two Dope Queens. Two Broke, yeah. Uh, oh, is it a podcast? Two Dope Queens. I think it is a podcast, yeah. yeah. It is a podcast, yeah. Yeah. So cool. Uh, Charles Decker said When We Were Free Kings, the crossover event of the century featuring Donald Glover as Muhammad Ali. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Hold on. I mean, Donald Glover's great. I love him, but he's not Ali. No. <laughs> True, yeah. Hey, he's got is, is Will Smith Ali, though? Yeah, but at least he, he's, he got the, he's got a bigger build, hasn't he? True, true, true. Yeah. Well, you know, but yeah, I like take, the idea. take it with Charles. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mike Carey said, Free Kings and Die, a musical. Bebek Goffin Garung, I hope I pronounced that correctly. Free Kangs, a Treehouse of Horror special. You know, Kang and Kodos from yeah. The Simpsons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Simpsons, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Johan Kaikonen said, Free King Kong Lives. So. <laughs> We get a lot of pun work from yeah, our it's listeners. Good, it's good, it's good. Johnny James Fuller said, We Free Kings 2, Bethlehem or Bust. <laughs> the feel-good Christmas comedy of the year. John Kovaleski said, Free Kings speeches. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Vaughn nice. said, Free Kings of comedy. Yeah. The uh, Robert De Niro film, I guess. J- another one from John Kovaleski was, Free Lion Kings. Mm-hmm. An anthropomorphized sub-Pixar animated retelling of the first movie. So. <laughs> Maybe that's what's happening now with John Favreau. Yeah, could be. That might be what it's going to turn out to be. Yeah. That'd be a curveball, but you never know. <laughs> uh, Daniel Fowlwasser submitted the inevitable The Avengers Infinity Kings. Nice. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Christopher Sheriff just did in all caps, fuck it, five kings. <laughs> got very excited there about that prospect. Uh, Lloyd Pies said, three kings too. There's six of them now. So I guess that's similar to yours, but he has no story there. Uh, Mitch, Mitch <laughs> just, just, t- just stop. Somebody argued we didn't have a story. but yeah. <laughs> Uh, Mitch Orchard seems may have a bit of a chip on his shoulder. He said, "We all know it'd be three queens with Sandra Bullock, Melissa McCarthy, and Amy Schumer. Mm. Women ruining films." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Is he one of those girls? No, he, haters, he didn't he? say women ruining films. Okay, I'm just, I'm inferring uh, a slight like resentment. Oh, there, I was yeah. going to say, yeah, I, <laughs> not my Ghostbusters. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Uh, Easy Riders Raging Podcast at ER Podcast. Yeah, Chris, yeah. Has, he's I been asked. He's been on your show yet? Been been on show, yeah, yeah, he's been on ours too. Yeah. yeah. So Chris from Easy Riders Raging Podcast says, "How about three queens, which sees three drag queens who happen to be passing by, deciding to steal all Saddam Hussein's sparkly things?" <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Bloatbusters. We had another collab. Sorry, how are they just passing by? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, on a well, road trip. Yeah, well, th- this is the thing. So this is another collaborative effort. Sometimes our fans collaborate with each other on social media, oh, right, okay. which we, we always love to see. So Bloatbusters, one of our regular contributors at Bloatbusters, said, so basically the same film, but with the cast of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, because we'd watched that, that film. So so yeah, they're on a road trip in a giant bus. Yeah. I like that one. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So it would be the title, the working title of that one would be Priscilla, Queen of the Desert Storm. <laughs> CNC Geekcast, at CNC Geekcast, said... Three Princes, a Vegas heist film f- featuring three prince impersonators. Sasha Baron Cohen plays all the roles. <laughs> False Starts Podcast at False Starts Pod said, how about Four Kings? Four Kings? Four Kings? I think there's some pun work happening there. It's Maybe a pawn, I don't know. The, the pun work is under frown from me. Okay, I, I'm seeing the Harry frown. Uh, we Watch Anything at We Watch Anything. We Three Kings, W-E-E, Three Kings. An early teen movie where the progeny of George Clooney, Ice Cube and Mark Wahlberg... Plot to heist the all-important test papers from the school safe. It's a laugh-a-minute coming-of-age story that brings a tear to the eye in the third act. It also provides a lovely scene where the parents reunite at a family barbecue with hilarious consequences. So, yeah, I guess it's the film as a teen comedy. Sure. Okay. The Contrarians podcast at Contrarian Prime. Five Kings. The Baratheons, along with their uneasy ally Balon Greyjoy, set on a stealth mission to steal the Lannister family treasure. But how long will it be before they all turn on each other? That sounds familiar. Yeah, it sounds like um, someone's writing books about that. Yeah, and maybe a HBO show. Anyway, uh, so Foss Starts Pod chipped in again with uh, I Raise You Six Kings and everyone gets gangrene. (laughs) Sure. Uh, Apprentice Angels, at Apprentice Angels, said, Three kings, they get the gold, now they have to fight to keep it. So maybe like a mixed martial arts version or something. Mm -hmm. And We Watched a Thing, at We Watched a Thing, said, Three kings of queens. The three kings move next door to Kevin James, who teaches them how to find love in queens. George Cast, J-O-J Cast, at J-O-J Cast, said, How about Free Kings Fifth Avenue? After Donald Trump uh, melts down every piece of gilding in Trump Tower, the Free Kings stumble upon the trucks in NYC and have to redistribute the wealth to the US people. Spike Jones returns as Conrad Vig's twin, Duke, a Trump-supporting security guard. And finally, Cinema Recall, at Cinema underscore Recall, said, Ice Cube, Marky Mark and DJ Clooney are a rap band that take a job at an elderly home to watch after Ice Cube's mum. While they're there, they discover that the management is trying to steal patients' 401k plan. Now the boys are going to steal it back and rock some tunes before bedtime. I guess that's just making use of the fact that two of these people are well-known rappers last season. Yeah. And yeah. I'm yeah. sure George Clooney can ride a beat if he has to. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he can ride a beat. Yeah. <laughs> is, that the, is that the correct terminology? I, no like, <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Um, George Clooney would be such a dad rapper. He would so be a dad rapper, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so those were our thanks, guys. Uh, there were some really good ideas Strong there game. and some yeah. questionable ones. Yeah, yeah. So if you have a sequel idea for Free Kings or any films we've done in the past, please do let us know. We are Beyond the Box Set. You can find us at beyondtheboxset.com. Our podcast is available on all good podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Acast, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and Alexa. You could sound more interested there. Sorry, yeah, it's on all good podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Acast, Google Play, Stitcher. You name it, we're on it. If we're not on it, we should be on it. So let us know. Uh, you can also find us on social media, on Facebook and Twitter. Just search Beyond the Box Set or at Beyond the Box Set for Twitter. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Beyond the Box Set or find some merchandise at Tee Public. Just search Beyond the Box Set. 
Yeah. And, uh, well, do you guys want to tell us again what your podcast is? Yeah, so thanks again. Where they can find you? Yeah, so we are Flix Watcher Podcast at Flix Watcher Pod on Twitter. Uh, basically type in Flix Watcher because we're the only people that use that name. That and Google of. and you'll find us and we, we talk about Netflix films and we have podcasters on. So if you are listening to this now and beyond the box set, come over to Flix Watcher and you can listen to what John and Harry have chosen for, for our show and um, see what you think. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. So yeah, thanks for coming guys. We yeah. really appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, next week we have another guest, don't we? A returning guest as it happens. Mm-hmm. So this is... Um, the ever popular Sebastian Clark, who joined us for our The Room episode, one of our very early favourite episodes of the show. You guys seen The Room? I've seen The Room. I've seen it with an audience at Prince Charles Cinema, which is fucking hilarious. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've seen The Disaster Artists. So yeah, he's returning to do another cinematic classic for our um, ongoing Sing Your Way to an Oscar season. Um, so he's chosen another film featuring some notable musicians who then put in a very memorable screen appearance. So the movie we're going to be doing next week is... I can see Harry's face looks... I already know what it is. Yeah. The next week's movie is going to be Spice World, the movie. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, there you go. An all-time yeah. classic for the ages there. So I'm, tune in next week for that. I'm not happy. looking forward to this one. <laughs> we get I films am. like that. We get films like that. Yeah. Oh, cheers, what, guys. classics, you mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having us. It's been, it's been fun. It's been great. Very yeah. cool. Yeah, so, yeah. Been great to have you on. Yeah. Great. So, yeah, look forward to that. Thank you, Flixwatcher. Thank you, Helen and Kobe. And... I'm not going to thank you, Harry, because that's awkward. <laughs> and um, yeah, join us next week for Spice World the movie. Yeah, see you next week. Bye. 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 Bye.